another NFL edition of the Modern Times Podcast. I am Wayne, Managing Editor. And I am John, the guy who opens the door. And signs my checks. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the state of the NFL and where the Cardinals fit into that whole landscape and whether they have a legitimate shot of making the playoffs or whether they're mm. dead in the water, which uh. feels like home to me as a native Arizona. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel comfortable with the Cardinals being 500. Yeah. You know, I mean, you hear some of these people and they're complaining and going, oh, they make the playoffs. It's like, what, you know, hey, we're back to normal. Yeah, I haven't been happy since I was about nine years old. And so <laughs> watching the Cardinals hover around 500, or, and when they do win, barely, always feels good to me. It does. It makes you feel comfortable. It's like having a, a, a warm cozy or, mm-hmm. or syphilis. Or pajamas. <laughs> Once it gets to your brain, you... You start to kind of forget it's there. And it just becomes a part of you. Right, and she was worth it. <laughs> it's just like football. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it wasn't from a toilet seat. I mean, CTE and syphilis, they have the same effect on the brain, right? Uh, I'm, no, I'm no doctor, <laughs> but I'm going to say 100%. <laughs> All right, back to okay. the serious talk. <laughs> so, branching out. Um, as far as the NFL goes, this season is kind of abnormal because there's really no elite team. The Patriots None. looked like they were that until last night. Which, right. granted, Seattle is rounding into form. They're a good team, but the elite teams win those games, and they didn't. Um, on the other side, the Cowboys could possibly be that one elite team in the NFL because they are rolling right now. Yeah, and, and who would have thunk it? Yeah. Right, you know? Uh, as much as it pains me as a Cardinals fan to say, those the Cowboys are looking good, and it looks like Jerry Jones finally gathered enough souls to yeah, the playoffs. I, you know, Maybe I, they had, yeah. Who could have thought that it was going to happen, especially with a young quarterback? And now everybody's saying, you know, Romo's days are over. And, you know, I mean, they might be. He was old anyway. Yeah, and fragile. Only getting older and more fragile. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think we've all been there. You haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) (laughs) But Carson Palmer knows what I'm talking about. Um, But he's never had any, uh, you know, spinal issues, which is... (laughs) That uh, we know of. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think you get brittle as an NFL quarterback. and uh, Especially as a fairly stationary one who's expected to stand in there and take hits. And yeah, and you have a guy named Dak Prescott. I yeah. Mean, what a name. Uh, actually, my brother brought that up to me. He said, how does someone end up with that name? And I said, easy, they're born after 1990. <laughs> That's true. And as someone born in 1989, I just barely escaped that fate. But I feel like that's the cutoff. Yeah. But it, it gives him that legacy, I it think. Does. You know, I mean, is there going to be ever be another Dak Prescott? I think you could say no. Absolutely not. But there might, there wouldn't be another LeBron James either. Well, I, I assume there's probably a bunch of kids born after like 2002 named LeBron James. Uh-huh. And there's tons of Michael Jordans. Yeah, so <laughs> you can't escape that. <laughs> but going back to the Cowboys, um, is it really? But is it really Dak Prescott? Even to go further, or Ezekiel Elliott, or is it that offensive line? Because if yeah. you watch that game-winning touchdown from Sunday, he walked through that line. That wasn't so much him, right, Ezekiel right. Elliott, making good moves. The Cowboys' offensive line moved the entire defensive line from Pittsburgh back to Pittsburgh. And then <laughs> right. he just ran through the hole. I mean, that offensive line is the most underrated thing, I think, about that team. And it's heralded. It, but everyone's raving about Ezekiel Elliott. He's running all over the league. You know amongst other things and people. And, <laughs> like, granted, yeah, he's doing a good job, but I think the off- I think it all comes down to the offensive line. I think if they got a healthy Tony, Tony Romo, they'd be in the same position. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing with everything in, especially in football, 
is always locker room playing for each other belief. Yeah. Um, you know, you have big men that can move people around, and if they're playing together and if they believe in each other, they can go there. And it, but I, I, I just described a moving company. Well, hey, <laughs> yeah. At least, at least we're not doing war analogies for football this morning. But you know, I mean, the long and short of it, I think, is that yes, it's not just Dak Prescott, but it is because they're willing to play for him, and he doesn't make those other mistakes, which. As we all know, a quarterback can easily throw a game away. Yeah. Um, An interception be- in under two minutes left of the lead. Exactly. You know, I mean, we've been there. Yeah. Last night. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the way that the team will play and keep making holes because they know he's going to be there, he's playing mistake-free football. I mean, we know that, you know, some of the guys that have won Super Bowls that didn't deserve them, you know, a lot of people say Joe Flacco isn't a top-tier quarterback. Uh, uh, you know, was it Heath Schuler even at, at some point, uh, you know, really led a team there. Um, you know, they're not very Trent good. Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, you know, I mean, people believe. It's laughable every time I see that guy criticize a quarterback on ESPN. Right. Well, I mean, you know, physically he couldn't do it. And and mentally I think he was more able. And, and that's what he showed that year. And you have to have both, I think, in the NFL. But that's the thing I think about the Cowboys is that they believe in, in Prescott and, and, and he believes in yeah, do you think, the team. And he can deliver and play relatively mistake-free in order to get them where they are. And, and do you think that keeping Romo out now that he's healthy is as much a coaching decision as it was the coach reading the room and knowing that the players believe yeah, in Yeah, I mean, Prescott? I'm not in there, but of course. But, yeah, the guy leads you to 7-1. and one. I mean, or now they're 8-1. How can you take him out? I mean, the players, as much as I'm sure the players respect Romo, he's been there forever. Yeah, I mean, luckily... He's got to ride the hot hand. You know, luckily, uh, my prognostication um, fell along the lines of a comment that I heard uh, Todd Graham give uh, last week, where... It was uh, a risky move. Yeah, I know. He was on Arizona Sports, you know, he was doing an interview with the Wolfley and whatever guy he's got with him in the morning. One of their random 40-year-old Doug, white, white guys. Doug and Wolf, him. yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, hey... Are we any better than Doug? No. Um, but my point just is that they asked Graham, uh, and, you know, is it, can you lose your job because of injury? You know, and, you know, he gave the answer that I thought he should, or that I would have given. And it's, you can't say that it's for sure either way. And like, and I'm going back to your point, probably felt the room, said, hey, if we pull out Prescott, or Prescott, oh, sorry, I'm from Arizona. <laughs> Oh, uh, Prescott. Um, if we uh, if we pull out him and we put in Romo, Dick Prescott. <laughs> then we're gonna we're gonna have we might lose the room and and so I agree. I mean I'm not in the room so I can't tell. But you would have to think that and you know playing at least the the levels of football I played in high school, you know that it's not that far of an extension. Yeah, they're getting paid millions, but you know the kind of mindset is somewhat the same. And 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 in almost any sport, you got a guy that's all of a sudden winning games for you, the last thing you want to see is him go away. And the worst part that usually happens is if he doesn't do well, then you've lost you've lost everybody. Yeah. Because those people that did support him then lose lose faith in themselves. And those people that supported the other guy who got pulled out and was doing well, then you lost them because they, they doubt your uh, judgment. Yeah. I think the best move is to do what they're doing and then maybe – Towards the end of the season, if he struggles for a couple games in a row, yeah. you can bring Romo back in, and or then, even in a playoff game. Yeah, and then you and you know, kind of as much as it looks strange now in retrospect, kind of what Denver did with with Peyton Manning, where yeah. they saw you know they didn't 
have the full faith of Osweiler near the end there, and so they pulled him out. And it did lead to relationship issues with Osweiler, but that, you know, they didn't look prepared to pay him what he was going to get anyway. So. And does he look that good with Texas? Or, I mean, the, He's the got, Texans. no, they're in a good position, but it's not because of him. Right. I mean, we saw uh, Osweiler for, what was it, two years, three years here? And he's kind of a and Dallas first. And Dallas doesn't have to worry about that because Dak's under contract for quite a while. So. Yeah, I, you know, you, you do worry a little bit about the Colin Kaepernick syndrome hitting on Dak Prescott in the future. And I think you're going to need Romo, and especially if he sits out and he can come back and play next year. You know, you have a viable backup option, whereas San Francisco didn't. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everything was in the – they got rid of Alex Smith. So they put all the eggs in Colin Kaepernick's that, basket, and then he kind of blew up last year. So that, But that goes – what do you think? If, say, Dak does well throughout the season through the playoffs, they don't sit him for Romo, then um, what do they do in the offseason? That's the thing. Is Tony Romo the next great Cardinals quarterback? <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know I don't see I don't I don't I don't I don't see Palmer being much of a difference. Um, you know, I would rather go with Carson Palmer at this point than Tony Romo. Uh, from an injury standpoint, I would, but Carson Palmer right now looks like Carson Palmer. It looks like last year was an aberration. Even in the win yesterday, he threw an interception at the end of the game, put the whole game on the line because of a poor decision. It was probably that they made him wear that American flag leotard before the game. Well, I mean, maybe yeah. Gotta... <laughs> but do you know why he has to wear that? It's because he, he lost missed the, the quarterback. Control. Yeah. Right, right. So when your starting quarterback <laughs> is losing to to Drew Stanton, and is do they have another quarterback on the roster right now? I don't they, know. They do. If they do, you shouldn't be losing to him because I don't know his name. Right. 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 I mean, and and, and who knows who? And he this lost isn't to. the first time this season that that's that he's had to dress up. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, come on. You can't say that because he's lost it. I mean, maybe somebody had a but good I, day. But, no, but I, I distinctly <laughs> remember last season, almost every game. It was, were, it, it was Barkley and Stanton dressing up. And, right. But that says something because his, the biggest issue he's had is his accuracy, which yeah. is the biggest issue he's had throughout his career. He is. Well, maybe that hand is not his, ever going to be the same. I mean, even, maybe he's got Kurt Warner syndrome. Maybe he needs to start wearing gloves. Even those throws he was making yesterday, the ones that he was making, those players were laying out for him every time. Yeah, and it wasn't he wasn't uh, you know throwing the nice Drew Brees opposite shoulder pass where you know it's the only place they can throw it for the receiver to catch it. He was throwing wide open guys, making them dive. And well, maybe we can get Carson Wentz from the. Oh wait, <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to part with him anytime soon. But you know, I mean, I, I'm sure Steve. We Cross got Kevin Cobb from him. From yeah, the Eagles. So who's their backup? That's who they still have Michael Vick on their team? Rod Graves. So speaking of syphilis. Rod Graves is on the phone right now. I'm trying to get <laughs> Rod Graves. Mike Vick. He's going to go backwards channel. So. Yeah. I used to be the GM of the Cardinals. Um, you know, I mean, have we gotten into Cardinals territory then? I think, right that's, a, I mean, I think that's as much of a smooth transition as we're going to get. <laughs> um, so the Cardinals. They, they, won, they won yesterday. They're back to, Hallelujah. They're back to whatever, I would say 500. They're back to whatever 4-4-1 four, four, is. They have as many wins as they do losses. Um, they're still in the thick of the wild card hunt, but after Seattle's pretty big win on uh, Sunday Night Football, it does not look like the division is a logical conclusion for them anymore. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and why I you know it, it seemed like they were stacking the box against to stop David Johnson, mm-hmm. and and to to your point. 
the passing game couldn't take advantage. They couldn't take advantage. Well, I mean, they took advantage, not as much as they should have uh-huh. against a terrible 49ers. And what did they score in the second half? Three points? Yeah, because they, they were up uh, 20 10 at, at halftime. Half yeah, and they right. won 23. On a last-minute field goal. A last-minute field goal. And why? Because Kurt, I mean, Kurt Carson, Warren. Carson Palmer <laughs> threw a, an interception late in the game. And that's two things. Was that ill-advised play calling? Oh, and then a poor decision by Carson Palmer. I can see why Bruce Arians would want to continue throwing in that situation with that much time left and only a touchdown lead. But when Carson Palmer's your quarterback, it is always it is always a risk. Even when they made that drive towards the end at the end of the game to get their field goal, I got worried. They made a nice pass play to get a first down, and I said that's actually bad because now they have four more downs to throw it. Yeah. yeah. And the more chances you give Carson Palmer to throw the ball within. Two minutes. The more you're risking turning. I mean, honestly, game. though. I mean, I, I I mentioned it earlier, and we all know that supposedly the whole deal last year was he hurt his hand and it was hard for him to throw the ball. You know, do you think it's injury at all? Or I mean, do you really think that all of a sudden he could do all those things last year and that he's physically able, or is he just old? I think or, players have good seasons, and I think last year he had a good season. If you look at the Carson Palmer getting this year, he's closer in line with his career norms than last year was. Last year was a crazy aberration. Carson Palmer has never been an MVP quarterback. He's always been a top half of the league quarterback who shows glimpses of being potential top five, but he's never been able to sustain it. He always throws way too many interceptions to ever be in that conversation. So do the Cardinals then have the defense as long as they scale back and will Arians be able to keep the offense be one of those don't make mistakes take time off the clock and let the defense pummel I don't think Arians has enough to do that I think he's his ego is too big I think he showed the ability to do the dink and dunk passes when need be but at the end of the games he still has such a perplexing play calling like philosophy the end of games instead of just going for the win he has to go for the throat which last year was fine when the team was clicking, like they're on all cylinders. But this year, they haven't had that win yet where it looks like, oh, they figured out their problems. Even when they win, you still have, you can point to a handful of things that just look like this team's not very good. Yeah, and, and is it is it the, the fact of what Belichick and the Patriots did in game one? Or they just took that away. That defensive scheme. I mean, if you, is does it show the inherent weakness or does it just show that that's the way that it is in this league, that if you're able to take away the deep ball, then it's always going to be yeah, but the, a grind. Especially when you don't have a mobile quarterback who can who can make certain things happen, like what Russell Wilson was doing yesterday, getting out of the pocket, and all of a sudden, coverages broke down, and he was able to make some nice the, long completions. And where Pars- I, you know, I don't think that's the biggest issue. Carson Paul McCain. I don't think that's the biggest issue facing him, I think, because they have one of the best running backs in the league. If a team is going, they've shown the ability that if a team's going to take away the deep ball on them, they give it to David Johnson. He has the ability to run all over you. So then you bring what the natural reaction you want to happen is what the 49ers did, where they bring in the box and they to stop David Johnson, which they mostly did. But then it opens up your for your receivers, and they did have two receivers go over 100 yards. Right. But both of those receivers probably should have gone for 200 yards. Yeah. Is the thing is they can't take advantage of that like they did last year. So I don't think, I think they finally adapted to the uh, schematic problems 
I think that was the problem early on in the season. Teams were taking away the deep ball, and instead of adjusting, they were just trying to throw through it. But within the past couple of games, they've shown the ability to just dink and dunk, run the ball until teams give it back to them. Well, now that they got it back, Carson Palmer doesn't have the accuracy to make it work. And is right. it injury? Is it age? Is it Carson Palmer returning to his mean? I think it's a combination probably of all three, but it doesn't really matter if there's no solution to it. So. Right, if there's no if there's no uh, end game. No, I think um, this you know, team... And what about John Brown? Do you think his his disappearance there for a long time you know, that... did something to the... And, yeah, and who knows how well he was playing, whether he lost a half a step because of you know the undiagnosed sickle cell yeah, before I think, that. I think... Because, yeah, he had a two-year trajectory there where he was getting better and better, and then he just dropped off. So health makes sense there. But I think also with a developing wide receiver who is suffering from a health issue like that coming back, and then if your quarterback's not as accurate as he was the year before, that's going to hurt him, especially right. a speed guy because he's running deep. He was catching, you know, 30, 40, 50-yard touchdown passes because the ball was hitting him in stride. Right. Well, now if the ball's underthrown, it's either going to get batted away, intercepted. He's not He's not a jump ball guy. You know, he's he's too small to be a jump ball guy. So if the ball is half a half a step behind him and he has to fight for it, those are the type of catches um, Larry Fitzgerald can make and Michael Floyd can make and then drop. But they're not – that's not John Brown's strong suit. Right. You right. need an ac- – that's what – Carson Palmer's one thing is that he's actually pretty accurate on the deep throw. Take that away from him. He hasn't because he's not accurate on the short throws. Because you're allowing receivers to run underneath it too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, and it, he's it, so yeah. Your receiver's running and he's wide open. You underthrow him, or you oh, actually what he usually does is overthrow. Him. Right. If you're overthrowing John Brown or JJ Nelson, then you've overthrown that ball. So yeah, one of those largest. I mean, in the first half, and he had that. Uh, I think it was a 38-yard pickup on a, on a pass interference penalty yeah. where you know they got JJ Nelson out there and. The defensive back was just in the wrong spot, didn't know where the ball was. and um, But that was, I think, the only long ball that it was even had a chance. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think that's where their offense is at. I think this is their offense. I don't, you know, every game at the beginning of the season, you're thinking, all right, next game they'll figure it out. Next game they'll figure it out. Well, over midway through the season, I think this is who the Cardinals offense is. It's basically the same offense as last year which is slightly worse. The accuracy is just off a little bit, and that throws the whole thing off. It's, you know, it's out of, it's out of sync. So they're still going to get those chunk plays occasionally, but it's just not going to be with the regularity that it was last year, and so it's going to be a struggle. They're not going to blow people out outside of Tampa Bay early in the season. A, yeah. A bad team. A very bad team. At, especially at the time. They're, they're showing promise now, but at that point in the season, they were horrible. They, they were horrible, yeah. Right. So that being said... Yeah, this I, team, I think, I feel nine six and one is kind of feels like a ceiling end. for this team. And granted, they're still in the playoff hunt. There are between the uh, the six seed Redskins with the first wild card spot are five three and one. All the way down to the thirteen seed Rams are four and five. So there's s- seven teams, maybe even more, legitimately in the mix for a wild card spot. So that could go. You could look at that two ways. One way you could say the Cardinals are very much still in it because I believe yeah, they're currently the ninth seed at 4-4-1, four, four, and one, so they're right in the middle of that pack. Right. But you could also say... So is everybody else. Projecting, yeah, projecting to 9-6-1 and one with that many teams still in it, all it takes is two of those teams getting hot, two of which are um, 
uh, Falcons and uh, the uh, Washington. So it doesn't look like you could really surpass those teams. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight all the way down to the end, and it's gonna make things interesting. I mean, yeah. parity well, makes things interesting. That being yeah, the five of the last eight games are against teams in that six to thirteen seed range, so they control their own destiny pretty legitimately there. Because if you win all five of those games, that right there gets you your nine wins, and all nine of those wins are over um, teams that you're in direct competition for. Hmm. And if for some reason Seattle struggles, which it doesn't look like they will. Then you play Seattle again, and if you win that game, you have the tiebreaker over them. So yeah, it's going to be a big game. I think I think it, I, at that point in the season, that will either be a big game or a meaningless game. Right. I mean, it's not going to. I don't think we're going to be so so at that point. I think we're going to know because they're either going to have struggled. Well, it's going to be a big game. I think it. no matter what, it's like you well, said. You could. You have to. I mean, either the Cardinals are going to need it to get a wild card, or they're going to need it to possibly still take the division, which is still there. But I feel like at that point in the season, because that's the that's the last, second to last game, right. we're gonna know whether they have a chance. They're either gonna be have a chance, or they're gonna be legitimately out of it, no chance. Like, I think we're gonna know by then. I don't think we're gonna go into that season going, well, the Cardinals are still on the edge. I think, but they could play spoiler to Seattle still in their home field advantage issues and things of that nature. But I think at that point we're gonna it's either gonna be the Cardinals are legitimately fighting for a playoff spot, or they're completely out of it. I, I do see, you know, the one thing about the Cardinals, though, is that it does seem like their defense, and especially the defensive line, is nearly dominant right now. I mean, they're always getting push. They're able to, to rotate guys in because they got so many decent defensive linemen, um, so they stay fresh. But it's the secondary in their defense that just has been struggling. And, I, you know, is it Matthew in and out? Is it, you know, Patrick Peterson, where is he playing now? I mean, obviously his numbers are still good, but are they just staying away from him? So it always has to be the other side and Bethel and what he's doing. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, obviously the line's doing a decent job, but it's really David Johnson's show now. He's, I mean, he's obviously the dominant player on the offense right now. I think the coaches who know how to adapt to their best players are the ones who perform the best. Like, goes back to Bill Belichick. Right. Everyone, when you think of the Patriots' offense, you think of this dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, passing offense, kind of like what the Cardinals had been doing since teams took away their uh, deep passing game. But nobody seems to remember that when Randy Moss went to the Patriots, right. they became a high-flying, you know, deep threat offense. Randy Moss set the record for most receiving touchdowns. You know, right. they, they they turned into a legitimately deep threat offense. But then when the, once they lost him and all they had was Wes Welker and they've got all the, you know, now they have Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola, he knows how to work with what he's got. Yeah, he's a dink and dunk offense because he's got a bunch of 5'10 speedy wide receivers. Right. When you give him a deep threat wide receiver, he knows how to use that. And I think it's so yet to be seen. So that goes back to my point of John Brown. Yeah, it's yet to be seen whether Bruce Arians, it's, he's shown the willingness to do that, but whether he can create an effective game plan with that mindset is now where we're at. Yeah. And it's hard to tell whether it's a shortcoming of the personnel in Carson Palmer, mainly, or is it a shortcoming of um, the play calling? And we can't forget that their offensive line is completely decimated right now. Right. They lost their starting left tackle. Yeah, uh, the offensive line has been hurt. And now they've got Wetzel's Pretzels playing left tackle, so. 
Yeah, it doesn't make it easier, and I'm sure you know Especially Palmer's with, a little jittery. For a statuesque quarterback like him. Yeah, well, he is. And a, he's a big six six. And I don't. And I don't mean his looks. I mean. You don't mean seeing him in that American flag his, body tart. No, his <laughs> Well, he no. His he needs. He takes. You know, he steps back, steps up in the pocket, finds his throw, and he throws it. He doesn't run outside of that one. What sixteen yard? Yeah, that was beautiful yesterday. And it, it only took five minutes. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, the Cardinals are going to be a tough nut, but like you said, I it's, think, yeah, it seems comfortable. Yeah, I think they can. I think that they definitely have a legitimate chance of the, chance of the playoffs, but it's not. I don't think there's going to be that click game where all of a sudden it's the Cardinals that we remember from last year. I think it's going to be a struggle every single game. Every game is going to be close, and they had a lot of close games last year, but they were winning all of them. I think every game is going to be like this one. Against yeah, the I mean, Niners, and we just, have, and we have to admit that that you know the Cardinals blew a couple games. Early on, I mean, they could, they could easily be six and two. Yeah, they and one. missed. Well, they. That, they could be I, I considered that one of the games they blew, the tie against right. the Seahawks. They, if you look at their offensive numbers alone, there's no way they should have only scored six points in that game. Right. So. I mean, even the Patriots game, they should have won that game. The, you know, coffee's for closers, though. <laughs> they didn't have any coffee that night. That's true. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's. I don't. I don't think it's as dire as this as the schedule shows. But like you said, there's some other things that have happened this no, season. No, I think like losing your offensive line it makes it makes it very hard. And you know, you get you get David Johnson, you know, and some seal on the edge, uh, and, and and some seal on the inside. I mean, the guy's a beast. Now, can he go through 16? I mean, he still carried the ball over 20 times, I mm. think, yesterday. And he's going to catch four or five for you. You know, I mean, that's a lot to put. You know, they talked about you know using Johnson and Ellington a little bit more. Um, which really hasn't played out as much because you know you need he, him. He's so much better than him, yeah. and and you need him. Yeah. It's not like you can take you know allow him to take it. Well, and he's and it's not like he's just a great runner. He's also the best out of the three of them at receiving out of the backfield, which is saying something because Ellington's pretty damn good out of the backfield right. receiving. But then he's also the best at blocking in the backfield. So yeah. he, you know he's you can't take him out on third down and throw and throw Ellington in there. That dude, you know he's he's tiny compared to right. Whereas no player, David. No player has better personified the term "built like a brick shit house" than David Johnson. Oh yeah, that guy is a beast. You heard the little inspirational story that's been coming out, where yeah. he like he's like talking to kids about bullying because he said he was bullied. I want to know what age this guy went through his <laughs> growth spurt then. Yeah. Or if he was just a gentle giant, because he is enormous. Yeah, he's a. I mean, hey. You don't realize how big these guys are sometimes until you stand next to them. No, yeah. my wife has a story. She was a, a communications major at ASU, and she was taking a special events planning class, and they got to go tour whatever America West Arena is called now, um, and walk through. Talking the, Stick Resort Arena. And the Suns were going through to practice, and you know all the players walk by, and right. You know, obvious. This is when Shaquille O'Neal played for him, so obviously he's enormous, and yeah. a lot of all the forwards and centers are enormous. But then Steve Nash actually talked to them for a second. And she's like, yeah, he was huge too. I know. Because people forget, Steve Nash is you know, he's six three. Six three, which compared to my wife, who's five one, is enormous. Um, yeah, so yeah, you forget because when they're standing next to people the same size as them, then yeah, they don't look as big. But yeah, I digress. So Cardinals. <laughs> Cardinals will make it. I Cardinals. Think, I, th I think they're going to squeak in. I think and next week is going to be tell us a lot because Vikings are struggling, right. but they still have a killer defense. So if 
Cardinals can make something happen against that defense if they can find a way either to get David Johnson going again because they've got a great defensive line, the Vikings, uh-huh. or if they can uh, figure out a way to exploit the fact that they're going to be keying on David Johnson. That will kind of tell us a lot about how they're going to handle the next couple games. Not to mention the Vikings are one of those teams right in there for a wild card spot. So. Yeah, well, we were talking, you know, before we were talking about parity, which we, I, I don't think we, you know, spent enough time on so far, um, you know, if you'd want to talk about no, that. but go for it. But it's, you know, going to be an interesting way to end the season, I think. And then even the playoffs, I mean, we had talked about ratings also. Um, and I think that kind of plays into it. It's There's no front runner. There's no real, you know, it, you can have pretty much every game of the week is still kind of like, well, you know, it's not like those in the past where you had... Of the Browns, <laughs> yeah. When you well, in the past, when you had real clear front runners, and you knew that there was a couple teams that were going to really always push for the Super Bowl um, or or make it near the end, um, you can have some of those more dramatic matchups. Yeah. And and now you have you know only two teams really that are looking like they're pulling away. Um, and so then everybody else, you can't have those two teams play each other. No. And so every other matchup is going to be around a 500 team, and, and, and people don't get excited about it. But I think it, that turns around once you get to playoff time, and there can be upsets, and can be, hey, who's going to win this? And a team makes it, everybody's going to seem like a Cinderella. I think the one thing we've overlooked, though, is the AFC West, where... That's true. It, it seems like the worst and the best divisions in the league flip-flop. Uh-huh. Because the NFC West was the worst division for a long time. And right. And they shot back up to the top, and now it's looking like trash again. And now the AFC West, you've got KC and Oakland are both 7-2 and two and Denver 7-3. Right. And each of them has, I wouldn't put them up there with the Cowboys and the Patriots, because each of them has, like, a few fairly glaring faults. But at the same time, they're all really good teams. Uh, yeah. So, but even that's parity. Because right. they're, they're, they're not 500, they're all playing very well, but you've got three teams in the same division who have finally turned who have as many wins as the, as a Philip Rivers will throw interceptions in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Philip Rivers, you know, it's, it's like a stream. Uh, but the Raiders, I think, are the biggest surprise. I mean, you kind of knew, you saw what Andy Reid, I think, was doing in KC. I mean, the guy is legit. Um, I always... You know, liked him and kind of felt like he had a little of the curse of the Philadelphias on him all those years when he was in. Well, call back and call me back after the playoffs or <laughs> after he loses in the first round again. Well, you know, I mean, he's a good football coach. I think you know, kind of, you know, replacing um, Andy Reid with Chip Kelly, I think, was a little bit of an insult. Um, and you know, that'll inspire anybody. But I mean, you know, he looks like my Pop Warner coach, so maybe that's 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 part of it. But, uh, you know, what the Raiders did, I mean, we could talk about... He looks like the Nietzsche walrus from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, my Pop Warner coach also had a horrible comb over, which Andy Reid doesn't have. But um, if you look at what the Raiders have done, I think, and the way that they've gone about it, I mean, everyone kind of talked about them losing Jared Veltier to the Cardinals. Yeah. And they had a replacement for him. I mean, it's like, yeah... It was the Cardinals' gain, and obviously Veltier yeah, and I was think, a Yeah, monster. I think that worked out for both sides, because Veltier has played well for the Cardinals. Right. And yeah, but like you said, Oakland had a replacement for him that they didn't... Well, they knew they didn't need to spend the money to yeah. keep him, and you know, that's just as crucial, you know, when you get when you have somebody else and you're not spending contract money. <laughs> not to sound uncouth, but all this happened after Al Davis died. <laughs> 
Well, I think we knew that was going to yeah, happen. Because I think Mark Davis has no interest in, like, being the Jerry Jones figure. Right. His father, his father, his Jerry Jones is emulating Al Davis. I mean, I was a little worried about Mark Davis just because well, Mark Davis if is, he has the... If he a stone-cold weirdo. Right, right, right. If he has the decision-making skills to get that haircut, then you worry about... You know the rest of of, of his decision making skills, but, but obviously it seems he's like he's played handed, Well, it seems like he's handed them off to the right people. Right, or like, he's just too preoccupied with moving the team. Or to he's some sort of savant genius, and he's just Machiavellian behind the scenes making all these moves. No one finds him no. threatening. <laughs> with that, you know, you never know. You never know. He drives a minivan. He drives like a 2007 minivan. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you got to save your millions if you have them. But you know, I, I think it's horrible for Oakland fans to potentially lose the Raiders right when they look like they might be building a dynasty. Yeah. That's kind of horrible for them. Um, you know, on the field, though, you got to be impressed by what they've been able mm-hmm. to do. And especially, it's just the changing of the guard. I, you kind of, like, that's... Yeah. I mean, we, we've been talking about parity and all the rest of that, but you also have to say there is a little bit of a change going on. I mean, if you think about it, Peyton Manning's gone. You know, I mean, some of these quarterbacks, Eli Manning just doesn't have it. You know, I mean, the Giants are decent, but he's going to leave. Tom Brady, and then you have to have these new branch of quarterbacks, and it's kind of like Russell Wilson's that way through. But you're going to have to have new teams, and you know Carr in LA or Oakland, um, uh, and then you know the mess you got going on in Wentz, LA. Wentz and Prescott look like they're both kind of be part of that. They're both playing pretty well. Yeah, um, you know, and even Bradford, if he can stay alive and not uh, get CTE before the end of the season. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's you know, a decent quarterback. Pretty sure his collarbone's made out of uh, wire, Tissue hang- paper. wire hangers duct taped together now. Yeah, poor guy. I mean, really. I mean, it makes you understand why Jake Plummer retired. <laughs> All right, I've made it $30 million. I'm out of here. I want to walk when I'm 50. I'm going to go play amateur handball in Iowa. <laughs> well, you know, Iowa, you don't get... You don't, the hell he plays. You don't have, yeah. Amateur handball at... I, you know, the last uh, scientific report I saw on CTE and handball players... Um, pretty low. Yeah, it was pretty low. Fairly low. <laughs> okay, I lied. Never saw a scientific report on that, but... Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a percentage point or two above that... that um, ice sport from the Olympics where they use the brooms. Luging? No, the brooms. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Right, that's the guy, the single man on a sled. Uh, yeah, that thing. The janitor sport from the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, the janitor sport. The sport designed for Canadian janitors. It shows you how to pick up uh, guys who vomit in the snow. Smooth out the eyes. What is that? Cur- 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 curling. 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 There we go. See, because you have to curl a beer you, before you can play that sport. You, you, you learn a new thing every day. Um, maybe Carson Palmer will get into curling. He's got the jumpsuit for it. He doesn't have the accuracy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, on the Carson Palmer bandwagon. But, you know, again, you're right. AFC West, tough. But, you know, i got to give it to the – I mean, the Raiders look like they're going to be a legit team. Yeah. Um, You know, you're one injury away always. I just think – I think it's going to be great when Oakland fans go and just burn down Las Vegas. Yeah, but again, you know – Sheldon Adelson gave us Trump, and now he's taking the (laughs) the Raiders away from Oakland. (laughs) Well, you know, the good thing about Raiders fans is they always traveled well. And, you know, it's not that far of a trip. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been, if you were ever flying in and out of L.A. when the Raiders were still in L.A., you'd get uh, the flights from Oakland to Born L.A. Born right in Phoenix, I've never flown to L.A. Um, you know, for, <laughs> you know driven. for business or whatever, you know, I've flown into L.A. and you've been there at the wrong time. And, you know, you, you're, you, you, you take a flight that's full of Raiders fans or they're just all in the airport. 
and I think they'll travel decently to, to, to Vegas. Um, but you know, I mean, Vegas is the same situation that we have here. And if they don't, if they don't get a true dome stadium, those games in September are just going to be just as horrible as they were in Sun Devil Stadium. Um, you know, the NFL does not play at night, so you, you can't play it like you know the UNLV. Oh uh, yeah, outside of yeah, your Sunday night, Monday night football games, which you get one, maybe two a season. Yeah, you're going to need something that has air conditioning pumped into it, and they like to play during the day. And as you know, that I mean. NFL fans, and you also have to sit in those stands. I mean, it's, it's, it can be horrible for the players, but it's just as bad or worse because you can't move. But and I, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I think we're even putting the cart before the horse. I don't know what sort of legal challenges are going to come to that. But because stadium finances, from, I, just from in, uh, citizen groups, you know, that, are, that have been against it, because I know the city's kind of been pushing that stadium through, but... There's a, yeah, lot of public the there's a lot of public financing involved in that, and I know public finance stadiums are a huge hot-button issue. San Diego just shot theirs down. Well, you know that, uh, you know, Adelson needs the money. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, they did build basically the a the MGM AEG arena, which is now T-Mobile Arena. It was all, you know, it was, you know, private money. And, you know, ultimately, I think they get a stadium built if the Raiders are literally willing to move. There's enough money in Vegas, and you know I said I that Adelson there, doesn't have the money. They want to see if they can take it from, from that's, that's, the that's people first. That. Yeah, that's what the, I'm interested to see how all that plays out. You know, we can get back into the you know whole Trump discussion, um, but, uh, but uh, please no. Uh, you know, I, you know what I'm saying. Business will try to take advantage. Oh, um, always. You know, and you know, kind of. I just read a story earlier today about you know people saying, "Oh hell, we lost our jobs in the Midwest, so we need to, we needed a businessman um, to figure out how to save them." And I was like, "Well, who do you think took your jobs away?" It was yeah, a businessman. So. Go look at all the Polish uh, workers <laughs> that Trump bus or flies into uh, work on his construction sites. Yeah, I'm sure he's he's the guy to do it. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, it's bottom line, and, and and I think bottom line, they're trying to get money there, but I think ultimately. The Raiders will move as long as Oakland doesn't put up a new stadium, mm -hmm. you know. And the Raiders are going to leave because they need a new facility. And I facility. can't see Oakland doing that because it's Oakland. It, well, it's Oakland, and it wouldn't be fiscally responsible for Oakland to put up the kind of money that's required to build a stadium. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, it's 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 like everything else. You can't have a. Um, you have to figure out how things can work together, especially when you're talking about sports facilities in major metro areas where you have the 49ers and Coyotes ASU. <laughs> yeah, the Coyote, ASU announcement this morning is a is is a is, you know, what they're doing to the West Side I think is horrible. They raked them over the coals. They took advantage of them. Um, you know, Glendale's going to be stuck with a facility nobody's going to go to. And, you know, I mean, I just think morally it's well, the Well, I think the whole reason we're here is it's already a facility nobody goes to. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know that you're going to get more people to go watch Coyotes games. You know, the thing is that No, they, I think that's why it's such a good idea, because if the, if the ASU hockey team can make use of it. Right, and, and the ASU also, football team. Yeah. I mean, basketball team yeah, will probably and, play there. And then in Tempe, you're surrounded by much more young people. Who can make you know you can make use of it for more recreational purposes? Oh, I think there's just a lot of potential there. Whereas Glendale and even like even saying Glendale is a stretch because that's a, it's the edge of Glendale. It's not in the heart of Glendale. It's not. Right. I mean, because even Old Town Glendale is a fairly charming area. 
that can drop some people in, but it's not even there. So it's not even benefiting those businesses. Right. It's on, very, it's on the super far edge of Glendale. Yeah, but, you know, again, it's just, not you know, folks not working together and I think changing plans. I mean, I, this is our basically our NFL midseason blog, and I don't want to go too off topic, but yeah. I will say that uh, the decision by Michael Crow to, to basically scuttle ASU West and invest only in downtown Phoenix, I think, was... was uh, an epic mistake for the West Side. Yeah, because um, as an ASU West alum, I spent the majority of my time at ASU West. It's a beautiful campus. And it's all there for them. And they could have even tied, you could have said, hey, the, the, the hockey team's going to be based out there. Mm -hmm. We have a facility out there to play in, and they could have dealt with it. It's obviously, like you said, you know, the, 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 the golf, I mean the golf, the uh, hockey facility is on 90th Avenue, and ASU West is 45th, 45th Street, yeah. Yeah, you know, 40, Avenue. 43rd Avenue. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's still a distance away, but it's, you know, you have, you had the ability to make something out there and, you know, it's basically was going to be a mirror of ASU um, East and, 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 and it was there. Moving everything downtown, I think, made people feel good. I think Phoenix jumped in and, and wanted some things, but again, Even you know, it's the same reason why the Cardinal Stadium wasn't downtown Phoenix. As we know, the Phoenix Biomedical Campus is now where they were going to put the Cardinal Stadium downtown. And, you know, Phoenix needed to do something with this land in this area that they had set aside well, for a few things. And bought, bought up a ton of people's homes and kicked them out. Yeah, and, and, and they needed to do something with it. And, you know, this is all NFL games. Um, you know, the, a lot of this comes from this whole stadium fight, which is what we're talking about. And, it, you know, and, and we talk about what's wrong with the with the ratings. I think that's some of it. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's big business. And, you know, the NFL's big business, and it's what, you know, makes, I think, fans, I think, lose a little bit, especially when you have, you know, it's not, they're not seen as, uh, I think it's funny a little bit to these days that you have uh, sports people taking more of a political stand than anybody in entertainment. Whereas you want to go 40 years ago, and in the 60s, 70s, you had entertainment people that were really taking these political stands, and nowadays, none of them want any part of it because... You know, yeah, you'll have the shares of the world and the and the and the Lena Dunham's in the world saying they're going to move to Canada, um, but for but, the most part, but you don't, not actually. Yeah, and not yeah. One, they don't actually do it, um, and two, you don't have the real. I think you know, you don't have the Beyonces of the world really taking a stand. I think with their checkbooks or with their careers. Yeah, they might do a, a special for Hillary, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't play off that way. And I think, you know. We have to realize a lot of the, a lot of Trump fans are NFL fans, and you know you get, um, and you know I'm going to say this with you know complete tongue in cheek because I think some of it think that that way. If you have uppity people like Colin Kaepernick, um, I think you lose some of those uh, folks. Mm -hmm. And you know we talk about whether it was because they were up against the political races. I think that's some of it, but I think it's also the attitude. And you know I had heard people years ago talk about. They couldn't like the, 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 you know, living in rural Arizona um, when I did um, from 2004 to 2007. And you'd hear the kind of feelings that people had about the NBA because they feel it's a, it's a city league with a bunch of, you know, gangsters. And yeah, I and think people it, feel the same way about the well, NFL at I a think, certain level, those kinds of folks. The Trump I think, folks. yeah, there's, there's an inherent racism in how society as a whole accepts its athletes, I think. Because we've seen white players speak out on political issues in the past, both popular things like 
love the troops right. and less popular and less popular ideas and there's just so much less of a backlash yeah you might not agree with the way that Colin Kaepernick is demonstrating but what he's doing isn't new it's a like it's a very there's there's a long history of political uh, speech right through step either whether it be kneeling during the national anthem putting a fist up even through not voting right there a lot of the people who were on his side abandoned him once they found out he didn't vote but the act of not voting is a form of civil disobedience that goes all the way back to Thoreau right so it's not like it's 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 he he's spoken enough on these issues that it's not that he's not voting out of ignorance it, it seems to me as if he's doing this out of an actual sense of civil disobedience and the way that we can look at this black player and so many people can just throw so much white hate player. so much hate his way you know i mean you know Colin Kaepernick's like the you know the, the Barack Obama the NFL. Yeah. you know i mean are you going to call him black or are you going to call him white I yeah. mean, he's you know he's just as white as he is black and yeah, you know it's also our tendency i think yeah i think i i think the way he's being Vilified. vilified <laughs> it, it is definitely has has a lot to do with his skin color. I don't think if he, or his hair did. Yeah, I don't think people cared so much until he had the big fro. Yeah, you know. And I was noticing yesterday, even during the game, that's not the picture they show with him no. in the corner. It's and, and I can't tell whether it's an old one or whether it's when he's got it pulled back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, I mean, it's and people have short memories. People. He starts winning games. We, we, right? Well, we honor no, not even that, but we honor. Pretty widely in the sports world, Muhammad Ali, who was a conscientious objector right. to Vietnam. We honor even wider than that throughout the sports world, sports world, Jackie Robinson, right. who was one of the first players to sit out the national anthem. People forget that. Mm-hmm. He's widely, you know, we all know what he did and the bravery that it took to be the first black player in Major League Baseball and all the hate that he sat through further that, but we don't realize that he also sat out the National Anthem. And he was a Republican. Right. And he was a Republican during Goldwater. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and he actually spoke time. out. He spoke out against the Republican Party during Goldwater's nomination um, because of the violent racism that Goldwater at the time backed up. And But he stayed a member of the Republican Party. So he was obviously a pretty complex individual, but he did the same thing. And people... They don't remember that. Yeah, and, and, and just to, you know, in case anybody's listening to, I, I, Jackie Robinson, the first modern black player. But there modern, was, yes. Yeah, there was, they had uh, actually a few in the 1800s that, they, of course, they eventually said, what? <laughs> Got to get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but there was one that played at least one season, I think. But the story of the year so far in the NFL, is it the parody? Is it, there's no, or is it Dak Prescott? I mean, that's where we started today. Yeah. I mean, so far, halfway through, is Cowboys the story of the year? I I feel like they should be, but they're not. I feel like the biggest story, honestly, is why are people less interested in the NFL? I feel like that's the story everyone brings up every week. Mm. So is it that, like we said with Kaepernick, he's a lot of players, uh, the fan base whose politics lie in a very specific spot have been alienated by these black players speaking out. Because it's not just, he's he's obviously the most vocal one but he's by far not the only one he inspired a whole movement among players Mike Evans just 
who hadn't previously kneeled during the national anthem just kneeled right. in response to Trump being elected. Right. So or sat down or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's happening, you know, and that could be alienating a lot of fans who want their players to fit in these specific boxes where they entertain them, but you don't get to do these other things. You're playing it, that we hear that response a lot. You're an athlete. We hear that a lot from the owners, especially. This right. isn't the right place for it. Right, because they, they don't want to the affect the bottom owner. line. Right? Yeah, the Colts owner. Because they know that it could turn people away. The Colts, Jim Irsay, in between bumps. Um, <laughs> you got to stay awake during the game somehow. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> you know, he chastised one of his players who they eventually released because for doing that. He said, this isn't the place. But I would question if this isn't, you know, if they're, they want to use you know their celebrity to what they believe is something good. Now, whether you believe that's good or not is a different discussion, but... The right to do yeah, so. I think you know. There's a lot of things that are that are kind of a perfect story. So I think I think that I think if you want to narrow it down, I think the movement Kaepernick started is the biggest talking point of this season. Hmm. I think yeah. I feel like that's people are talking about that more than they're talking about. I just think people are lost. You know, I don't think people understand who to who to say anymore, and and it's like the, um, you know, as far as I think. Uh, I'm going to start this over again because I agree with your point that I think the biggest thing is what's going on. You know, why are, why are people not so interested? And and But I think it's multifaceted. And one of the things I kind of want to throw in there is that because I have a nine-year-old and knowing that when I was a kid, there was a lot more kids, it seemed to be, that were going to go play Pop Warner. And it seems like there's a general reticence among parents to sign their kids up for that at these ages anymore. And I think there's just a general stagnation. Once you start having the idea that you don't want your kids to play, and even kids know that, you know, as you know, I, I'm, I'm really involved in, in Little League and my Little League, and Little League is, is, is struggling a little bit, but there's also kids that are, that would leave to go play football. And now what you hear is, well, are you going to, oh, you're going to go play football? And they're going to go play flag football. And they know they're never going to go play real football, but they would just rather play that running around all the time thing. But they're not going to put the helmet on and the pads on and go play. And, you know, I think it, it, it takes something away. And so when you have, like, a few things, and I think that's part of it, I think the interest among kids, and I think a lot of parents don't necessarily want to expose their kids to it because they don't want them to be like, oh, I want to go play football, and the more they're not watching it, the easier it is to tell your kid, hey, you're not going to go play Pop Warner or something else. Yeah. But then, like you said, I think there's a little bit of the political side that plays into it. And it's also just a changing of the garden, and people don't know. They go, oh, who's on the Redskins now? Who's on, you know, and there's been so much change. And it's only going to get more, and I think it's going to continue. My, If I put my prognosticators hat on, I say, you know, the NFL is going to have some rating struggles, but... I mean, done. Ten years. I give them ten more years tops. <laughs> done? I'm not saying done. But, you know, I think it's going to struggle a little bit. And, and But part of it goes into you can't grow forever. Mm-hmm. And and when it's you true. have some other issues... Have we just re- reached peak NFL? I think so. And Thursday I think baseball football, is the way to come back. Thursday night football. Sunday. Sunday night football. Monday night football. It's just... Football used to kind of be that thing, like people loved it and they looked forward to Sunday because that's what it was. Now you get football on Thursday night, you got football on Monday night. And you always had football on Saturday yeah. night because yeah, it was well, always yeah, you college. Got yeah, you got college. If you got a kid in high school, you got football on Friday night. Like, 
Yeah, how many football games? And can you if watch? you're a Pac-12 fan, half the time you got football on Friday night. So. Right. Or the and the Sun Devils were on Thursday this. Yeah. Uh, this so week. yeah, is it just are we saturated? Have we reached peak football? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think people are going to like football. Period. Yeah. You know, things have to change. Well, yeah, things are going to change. Well, yeah, there's a reason we got here. You know, I mean, you know, people do like it, but I do think that it's the kids playing and figuring out injury wise and brain health. I really think is. You know that's gonna that's played and and is gonna be a long term issue for them. Period. Yeah. Besides the fact that they're gonna have to pay out a lot of money eventually. Eventually, this is gonna get worked out, and 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 you know it's there, and it's gonna it's gonna even take more moms away from saying that they want their kids to play. Well, and then you have coaches like Bruce Arians blaming moms for not allowing their children to play football, and I feel like that makes it even worse. Instead of acknowledging that yes, this is a dangerous sport, let's come together and figure out how we can at least make it as safe as possible and let's talk it through with each other and see what our issues are. Just say, nope, it's moms, they don't understand. That's it's not the way you deal with issues. That's the way I mean that's the way you deal with issues in today's America apparently. Yeah. Is you just you just call each other stupid and keep both doing butting your heads against each other. But but you're never gonna you're never gonna get any of those moms to come over to your side unless you actually hear why they're concerned. And you address those concerns, and instead of put, putting your head in the sand and saying, "No, there's no violence issues in football," no, there's no head. Coaches, the coach's favorite term. Oh no, it builds character. No sport builds character like football. And it's like no, there's there's absolutely no data to back that up. There's absolutely no some you know some football players are good people, and some of them are really shitty people. And right. So I feel like we need to take that morality question out of it. If we're talking about out of the safety equation. Because they don't affect each other. Whether football makes you in a good person, that doesn't matter if your brain turns into soup. Mush, right. Yeah, right. so we need to have, a, have an honest discussion about the safety of football and the ways, especially amongst children, we can make the sports safer. Yeah, and you know, uh, you can't necessarily say that, that no matter what happens, it's, it's ever going to be safe. I mean, it's no, the one sport. I got a concussion sport. playing baseball, and baseball is not a contact sport by any means. Right. But when you've got a bunch of people, especially I was a freshman in high school when it happened, a bunch of teenager, lanky, awkward teenagers running around as fast as they can, you know, collisions are going to occur. Right. More so in football, obviously. But every sport is dangerous in its own way. So you're not going to eliminate it. No. But you can take preventative measures. Like my, my younger brother plays for uh, um, Amphi down in Tucson. He's sophomore now he goes between JV and varsity and they do the baseline tests with him now you know where they do that yeah they do a test at the beginning a cognitive test at the beginning of the season and then that's their baseline and so if you have a concussion or suspect suspected of having a concussion you have to take the same test and they compare that to your baseline huh. which is makes sense but it's something that's fairly recently come to high school football which it seems like it should be the first place that safety measures go right but yeah, so I was glad to hear that, that there are actually at least some proactive steps being taken. Hmm. Or it shows if they're, um, you know, high on drug abuse. It also shows if they're just dumb as rocks to begin with. <laughs> yeah, they're going to release that, those well, statistics. Let's try that baseline again. It didn't register. Um, do you have a concussion right now? Your whole offensive line got stupider. <laughs> do you have a concussion? It has nothing to do with the concussion. Well, yeah, it just makes me think of a varsity blues. <laughs> Uh, uh, how yeah, about so, a playoff prediction? Um, yeah, I have to go think about the whole. Well, let's just let's just let's just stick with the Cardinals. I, 
I don't think they're going to make it. I think I don't. I think they're going to be in the hunt until the end. I don't think they're going to make it. I think it's going to be too tough. With I think Atlanta for sure is a wild card team at least who's better than them. Hmm. I think I I have a feeling Minnesota figures it out enough to get in just because they they I feel like their defense is so good and their offense has clicked at points this season right. much more than say the Cardinals have. Sure. I think the, the team in Washington, as they call it, will probably the get in. The team in Washington. Yeah, I think, you know, I'll say it. I think the Redskins, uh, I think they'll make it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I feel... I think the Giants have a, you know, have a good chance. Yeah. Like Eli, you know, every couple of years, he just dopeys himself into a Super Bowl. Da, 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 da. Touchdown! So no. it, might, it might be time for Gomer Pyle to get a third <laughs> And that makes me feel good personally because I feel like Peyton Manning's one of the most insufferable athletes that's ever played. And so I just love the fact that his dopey younger brother, who is not as physically talented as him, right. has more rings, or they currently tied, right, right, right. and could have more rings again. Because that was always, like to me, like total justice. That in Seattle. That Eli. Yeah. You talk about the dopey half-brother and the smart brother. Uh, yeah. Which, which one's the... Russell Wilson, most of the time, is the smart brother. Sometimes he can be the dopey half-brother, too. It's true. Um, but he's looked very Peyton Manning-esque with uh, wheels uh, lately. Um, you know, he looks like his wheels are fixed. And I think they're scary. Oh, they are. And this is when they get hot every year. You know, I think, that you know, the Seahawks are scary coming out of the NFC. I, I, I like your other picks. Um, you know, the AFC... I had said when we had done this podcast with Ryan, and hopefully Ryan's listening to this podcast, we can give him a little bit of a hard time for not joining us on it. But um, I, I kind of thought the, the Patriots were going to take a step back this year. Um, and uh, I think a lot of it had to do with what happened week one. They were able to eke out that win over the Cardinals. I think it, 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 it carried them over for a couple of weeks until um, they got uh, Wayne Brady, uh, I mean Tom Brady back. Uh, and... Um, you know, I think they're there again. Obviously, I think they have another run in them now. I mean, I kind of think that I think eventually it'll be a Seattle New England Super Bowl again, and that game last night shows it'll be a damn good game again if it is. Yeah, and as you know, anything can happen. I think between now and then, it seems like you know the Patriots are a pass rusher away. Whether they have them somewhere on their team, or whether they, they can. The Patriots always seem a blank away. Right. Even in years when they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, give uh, give Bill Belichick two weeks to scheme for anybody, and all of a sudden he finds somebody who can put some pressure on the quarterback. Donald Trump. <laughs> there you go. He might send Trump out there. I mean, who's going to tackle the president? He still will be the elect, right? President the Super elect. Bowl. Yeah. Oh, is it right around no, the same time? No, he will. No, he'll be the president by the time the Super Bowl comes around. Well, there you go. Maybe he can throw out the first pitch. But with the shade of his <laughs> skin, with the shade of his skin, they'll assume that he's on the Bengals every time. Well. <laughs> let, let, you know, you got to stay away from Donald Trump. But I agree. I mean, I think that things had changed. We talked about it in our in our preseason podcast, and it is hard to say who would have thought that the Vikings were able to pull it through. Who you know who would have thought that the, the the Chiefs and the and the and the Raiders are are leading the league in record? That or no Dallas with a rookie quarterback. <sighs> the Dak Prescott thing. I mean, I thought it was over. Yeah. Or. Philadelphia with a... Yeah, Carson Wentz, where did he come from? And surprise, surprise, Jeff Fisher picked the worst of the top quarterbacks in the draft again. Yeah. Uh, hey, but at least he's got Case Keenum. Yeah, Jeff Fisher, you know, I mean, uh, what do you say? I mean, he's 
always a bridesmaid, never the bride, I think. is uh, He got him close. I think it's more he's always a bad coach and one time kind of got lucky. Well, you know, he's, he's obviously not a bad coach. I, I think he's a good defensive coordinator. Uh, exactly. I think who's he's masquerading as a good head coach. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I think you can, you know, if you could ever work out some sort of, uh, um, you know, triumvirate, you know, do the old ancient Roman system where you have, like, you know, a, a three-man council. Um, yeah, well, I think a, if you got him with a really good offensive coordinator. Who he, he had gave, to listen to? Who he gave enough power to, then he might be decent, but. So, like, an Arians-Fisher matchup would yeah. be. Arians can't seem to draft a quarterback, or you know, it's not really him. I guess. Well, they haven't had a yeah, they haven't had a pick to draft a quarterback with. Yeah, that is true. Well, maybe that'll be the silver lining, even though they say that there's nobody real. Because Russell Wilson was drafted before they came into power. Yeah, and you know, you know, he was a third rounder. But all the other quarterbacks who have really made it generally are coming in the first round. You know, and every year where they say that it's a weak class, there's always that one guy. Yeah, and it's all it's all scouting, but it's also system. Who knows if Dak Prescott does so well? Dak, Dak Prescott wouldn't be doing this well if he would. I would even say if he was with the Cardinals because the Cardinals' offensive line not there, yeah. is not what the, the Cowboys are the best offensive line in the league. That was the perfect position for a rookie quarterback to come into because yeah. he has the, a stud running back. Which, granted, no one knew whether Ezekiel Elliott would be a stud at that point. He's a rookie as well, but he has a stud running back. He's got a like a, a top five wide receiver. Granted, he was hurt for a while, but he's there and he's got an awesome offensive line. Perfect position. Well, Cowboys, you can't forget the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, with the Browns would be 0 and 10 with Dak Prescott. I, I think. Yeah, Browns would be 0 and 10. Period. Yeah. I, you know, and it's sad. Browns would be 0 and 10 with fucking. Well, I mean, you have to. I mean, the Indians Brett made the Farr, World Series. Peyton and the, Manning, Joe Montana, the Browns would be 0 and 10. Yeah, the Indians, the Indians made the World Series. We can say Indians, right? You can't say Redskins, but you can say. We can say the team from Cleveland. <laughs> So the team from Cleveland, baseball team from Cleveland, no, no, and the Cavaliers. No, theirs, theirs is the most racist thing about that is their logo. Can we say Cavaliers? Yeah, let's, well, I don't know. The French. Know the French a, must take it. It's first. a Chevy. <laughs> no, it's a Cavalier. You know, it's like some sort of it's French that, thing. Yeah, it's a Chevy car. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they, I don't know, took over Vietnam. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Got bought me out of it. <laughs> they eat snails, but... Um, with the you know success of the other teams, you have to know that you know some teams got to stink in that town, and uh, you know the Browns are just suffering from it. it can't Maybe just be the river. It can't just be the river or the curse of Bernie Kosar, or you know it can't be any of that. Um, you know, but the Browns will make it. You know, I mean maybe maybe they'll get. Uh, Brady Quinn, uh, you know some really poor choices. Brady Quinn, Johnny Football. Um, Johnny shot glass. Johnny dime bag. <laughs> shot glass. Johnny bump. <laughs> yeah, he, he would have done. The yeah, <laughs> you read my mind. He would have had an owner on his team. All right. So. I think. In I think summation. We, in summation. Who we think? Cardinals good. Maybe. Cowboys better. <laughs> Patriots Seahawks could be a Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl. We could get a Patriots Cowboys Super Bowl or. A t- any of the plethora of uh, AFC West. And where in the world is Ryan Scott? Yeah. I think that's the most <laughs> important question. Austin. I in Austin, that. Texas. And there's no football in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, maybe they'll move the Raiders there if they strike <laughs> out in Las Vegas. Wayne, it's been fun. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for listening, and 
tune in again. We'll do this again when we get closer to the playoffs. See yeah. which one of our menagerie of predictions came true. Well, that's the good thing about being real vague about your picks. Yep. You can say that you were right. It's like it's like the Donald Trump approach to uh, to college football games. And we'll see if the NFL's rebounded and has the ratings of a CBS comedy, or if it's continued on the trajectory of the ratings of an NBC comedy. <laughs> Hail Mary! Thank you, Wayne. See ya. Thank you.